Well, in our passage this morning, we have two stories, and I invite you to, to turn to uh, this section here. You can have your Bibles open on your phones, or, or if you actually use paper, you can, you're welcome to use that. And so we have these two stories here. Uh, we have a widow, a story involving a widow, and the other one involving two men, a, a tax collector and a, a Pharisee who was a religious leader. Both stories are concerned with prayer, among other things. Jesus introduces the first parable by telling his disciples that they should always pray, keep praying, do not give up, and this is what the text gives us. And then he goes into this parable to illustrate to this point. And then the second parable, the scene is two men praying at the temple. We hear each, each of them praying. We, we, we have what they prayed in their prayers here. And Jesus, the text tells us that Jesus told this parable regarding those who are confident in their own righteousness and, and, and looked down on others. And so Jesus tells this parable to illustrate uh, this point that he has here regarding this. And these parables are also about justice. It's also about justice uh, coming from different angles here, and we'll get to that in, in a little bit. So let's take this first parable here, the one with the widow here. This widow wants justice done for her uh, concerning some wrong that was uh, committed against her. Widows during this time were one of the most vulnerable people in society. It was harder for them to, to earn a living and to, and to get the basic necessities of life. And, and they were often mistreated and, and victims of injustice here. This widow has been wronged in some way, and she keeps going back to the judge who doesn't want to grant her uh, her request and, and give her uh, the justice that, that she feels uh, is, is due her. And, and we find out here that this judge is, is no good. He, he's not very good. He has no fear of God. He doesn't care about people. And he's, he's probably cor- corrupt. And he even admits this and, and that, that, he's, that he's no good. But after repeated denials, he eventually grants the widow's request and accepts her case. Why? Pretty much so that the widow would just stop bugging him. Right? Not that he all of a sudden wants to do the right thing. He just, she's just really beginning to annoy him. Well, then Jesus compares this. He takes this story and he compares it to God and to us. And, and what is Jesus' point here? Well, if a, if a corrupt and unjust judge shows justice and does something right here in response to constant pressure, then how about your Father in heaven? What is, what is his response? And Jesus is making a contrast here. Right? Your Father in heaven is not like this human judge here in this story. God, on the other hand, is, he's, he's just. He is just. He's fair. He's fair. He's righteous. He's not corrupt. And, and he, he's kind and loving and, and good. And, and he wants what's best for you. And so how much more than, if he's like this, then how much more than will, will your Father in heaven actually do good to you and, and bring justice on your behalf when you pray to him? Right? Day and night. Just like how this widow kept going back, going back and asking. Now at the same time, Jesus is not saying that, that we have to wear God down. That's not the idea here. We just have to wear God down in order to get what we want. We have to kind of annoy him and just keep bugging him if we, if we want something from him. That's, that's not God's nature in the first place. God is not like that, and so we don't need to relate to him in that way. But 
God is looking for something, though, here. He is looking for something. He's looking for faith. And look at what Jesus says at the end of this parable in verse 8. He says, however, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And this is where the context of this parable, these two parables, is, is important here because just before this parable, at the end of the previous chapter, Jesus was asked, when is the kingdom of God coming? He was asked this question by the religious leaders, when is the kingdom of God coming? You, you keep talking about the kingdom of God and, and what it's all about. Well, when, when are we going to see it? When is it, when is it coming? And, and Jesus answered them saying, well, nobody knows really when it, it's, it's going to come. It's, that's really just up to the Father. But I can tell you it's going to come. It's going to come, and it is coming. And the thing for us to remember is that when the Son of Man returns, when Jesus comes, he's going to be looking for something. When he does come, he's going to be looking for faith. Will he find it? Will he find it in you? Will he find it in me? He's coming to look for this. So Jesus is telling us to be like this widow. She demonstrated her faith through persistence here, through her persistence. She believed with all her heart that she could get justice, that she could get the compensation she deserved, and so she kept trying and trying. She kept going back and going back and kept asking until she got it. Every time she got denied, she just went right back into the back of the line, got back in line to try again. And with this kind of persistence, God is saying, I like to see that. I like to see this, this kind of persistence when it comes to exercising our, our faith in God, to bring our requests before God in faith, trusting believing with all our heart that God will respond, that God will grant us our request. And Jesus makes it clear here in, in verse 7 and onwards that with your good father, remember who your good father is. Remember he's making a contrast here in this, in this parable. Remember the nature of your good father. He's not like this unjust judge here. Rather, with your father, it's different. You, you won't have to keep getting into the back of the line, getting, keep, going, keep doing that over and over and over again. No, God will not keep putting you off, as Jesus says here. God will respond to you, and he will respond quickly to those who keep coming to him in faith with their requests. But sometimes, sometimes it seems like God is taking a long time. It seems that maybe God does feel like God is kind of putting you off a bit here, and we might wonder, what, you know, why isn't the Lord answering me? Why, why does it feel like God is, I, I do have to get, keep getting to the back of the line here, and why does it feel like that? And that, that's part of the, the faith exercise, that that's really what this is all about, this, this, this practice of, of waiting on the Lord, trusting and, and believing in Him that He will respond, but that we need to wait and trust for His timing because his timing is, is always good. And we need to wait on him because he is going to do it in a way that is best for us and, and for the situation. But our job is to be persistent. Keep praying, keep praying, always pray. Bring, keep bringing your requests for, before God. And as Jesus says, don't give up. Don't give up. Keep praying. That's what we should do. Believing that God will answer in his timing. 
and according to his goodness. This is, this is a very practical exercise for us to develop our faith. And it's very important because this is what God is going to be looking for. This is what he looks for. To grow in our faith, we need to, do, we need to be persistent in prayer. To practice praying. And this is the value of coming to our Wednesday night prayer group because this is good practice to come and pray. And I want to encourage you to come. It's a way to grow your faith by practicing prayer. And this is the kind of faith that God is looking for. So try to come Wednesday nights. We meet online. Today is the first Sunday of Lent. Lent is here. What is Lent? Lent is the period of 40 days or so leading up to Easter. It reminds us of the 40 days of Jesus in the wilderness, right before his public ministry. So Lent is, is a time of preparation in that sense. It's just like how Advent, right, the season of Advent, is a time of preparation to Christmas. Well, Lent now is a time of 40 days or so in preparation for Easter and what that means and, and Jesus going to the cross. But Easter celebrates, Easter itself, right, celebrates the resurrection of Jesus, right? Jesus' victory over death. Before the celebration, before the resurrection, Jesus has to die. He has to die on the cross. And Lent is that time to help us remember this get us into the spirit of this and to think about, start thinking about this, about the death of Jesus. This is at the very heart of our faith. But more so, Jesus had to die because of us and to also be thinking about this because of our human condition, because of how we have misbehaved. He died because of how we have turned our backs on him. We have rebelled. And we have not trusted in him as we should. During Lent, we take some time to think about our own reality. And, and what is that? What really is our reality? It's that we are dust. We're dust. That we are dust and to dust we shall return. God originally created us from the dust of the earth and it was good. When God originally created us, he formed us. It was originally good and it was, it was beautiful. He created all living creatures this way, and including us. It, we were his crowning creation. But then, as you know, sin entered into the picture, ruining this, entered into God's good creation. We sinned against God. We fell. And now death is part of the picture. Death has entered in. So yes, we, we, we are dust. We were out of dust. We were created and created good. But now because of sin to dust, we shall return one day. One day each of us will die and return to a state of being dust. And so if we are each basically in this state of being, this state of, of inevitable, eventual, inescapable death. 
And Jesus, the Son of God, also enters into a state of death. How do those two coincide? How do those two relate to each other? What does it mean, one, one for the other? What, what does it mean for you? Our state that we are in and, and that state of death that Jesus chose to enter into. And at this time of year, at Lent, this is what we think about. We start to think about this. How do these two things go together? And, and the way to answer this is to seek God, to draw closer to the Lord. And the season of Lent is that time to do that. It's provided for us to do this, to help us in this, to help practice our faith in this, because this is the faith God is looking for, and to help us go deeper into this. Well, traditionally, in the history of the church, this season of Lent, in this time of, of Lent, there, there are three main, and you're probably familiar with this, there are three main kind of general areas to, to help us practice getting closer to God during this time of Lent. Right? Prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Right? Three general areas are to help us with this that we practice during this time of year. And in light of our two scripture passages this, mor this morning concerning justice, we could also put it this way. Prayer is justice to God. Fasting is justice to the body, to the self. And almsgiving, or, or just giving out of one's resources, is justice to our neighbor, justice to one another. Each of these is meant to help focus on God, help us focus on God and bring us closer to God and bring us closer to others. And the idea here is to be persistent in these things throughout the 40 days, right, leading up to Easter, to stick with it. Whatever we are practicing here during this time of Lent, it's a little over a month, right, from now until, until Easter. So almsgiving, first of all. Lent is that time to practice our faith by maybe giving a little extra, perhaps in our tithes and offerings during this time, to make that donation maybe that you've been putting off to, to that ministry, to something that you want to help out with, uh, to make a faith pledge, to support a ministry. This is the time to, to do that. It doesn't always have to be money that we're giving here, just doing something extra out of our resources, our material resources to, to help, help our neighbor, to help someone else, and, and trusting God in the process to provide. It's, it's a time to practice this. Prayer, being persistent in prayer, and we have here the example of, of the widow who demonstrates faith. We're to pray to God and practice this, this kind of faith that she demonstrates, to be persistent in this, and, and Lent is that time to, to work at this, to make a stronger attempt at practicing this more diligently. For our, our Micah Fellowship group, the young families, we made prayer chains with the children, and this is, this is great. We were, we were doing it last night as a family. There's six of us in our family, so we, we ripped off six links in the chain. And, and it, the prayer chains, we, we prepared 40 of them, or almost 40, and still have to add a few more. But, but we just put one thing on each link to pray for during Lent. And then uh, last night, we, were, we took one off, and we went around, and we each said a prayer for that one thing. 
And it's just a great way to, to get, it's just a great practice, right, during this time to focus on that. It's a way to be persistent. So I'm not sure how we're going to do it. I'm not sh- I don't know if we can do one a day. We might just do six at a time or something like that <laughs> once a week or, you know, but this is, this is the kind of thing we do at Lent to, to be persistent in this way. And we can get creative, get creative to be able to uh, keep doing this, make time for prayer. And, and again, uh, I don't know if I mentioned this to you, but you can come to prayer on Wednesday nights. <laughs> we have our, our prayer group Wednesday nights, and it's a very helpful way to practice prayer and, and your, your develop your faith in this. And, and just by showing up each week, you're kind of taking care of the persistence part, right? <laughs> just by showing up, because we're doing it every week, right? There you're being persistent. So come to prayer. <laughs> We also have the, the Lenten prayer reader. I, I hope you received this in your inbox. Uh, we, a, a Lenten prayer reader was sent out to you, and you can download that. If you haven't received it, you can come and ask me and talk to me. This is a, a daily devotional that you can do to, to read each day, just a little bit each day, and, and, and pray. And, and we, ha- we can have something like this on our, on our phones to just help us, you know, just five minutes, do a little bit of Bible reading, pray a little bit. And this is what this is what this time is for. And then fasting. Lent, Lent is a time to do some fasting. Fasting really just means to abstain from something. Like it could be food, could be sugar, really, really anything, in order to draw closer to God. It's not something in, as an end in itself. It's something you do in order to be able to move closer to God. To instead of having that, doing that, you're taking that away so that. You can have that time or whatever it is to be closer to God, to, to draw closer to God. It, it, it's a way to depend on him more. And there, there are many things that we can fast from during Lent to bring us closer to God. How about fasting from social media? Are you able to do that? It may not be realistic to fast entirely from that, but there may be some aspect of your online life and maybe during this time, maybe you can take a break from and cut down a, a bit here on, on, on doing that so that what, not just, not just to score points with God, not just to you know, cut it out, but just so that you can have that time instead maybe to do a little Bible reading, maybe to pray a little bit more, right? That's the idea here, to replace it. We, we, we fast from something to replace it with something else where God is in it, something where God is in it. And we can ask ourselves, is God in this when I'm doing this? Is God in this or no? Well, if God's not in it, well, maybe I can cut this out for a bit. Now Lent's a good, a good time to, to do that and kind of practice that, right, in order to do something that, where God is in it. Okay, for me, um, I like to watch news and news commentary on my phone before bed. I, I, read my bed, I read bedtime stories to my, my girls before bed every night, and then it's almost like after that, daddy needs his bedtime story. <laughs> and so I go on my phone, and I'm watching news, and I, you know, I'm kind of a news junkie. I, I, I like to you know, watch news commentary and things like that. And, and well, sometimes I end up staying up too late. I made, so I'm, this Lent, I'm going, to, I'm going to put that aside. I'm, I'm not going to, instead I'm going to replace it with something else. Maybe do some, some, some Bible reading or some praying. Or, but the idea here is to be persistent in that and to, to try to you know, keep doing that, right, during this time as a way to draw closer to God. Okay. 
So we do think these things, do these things as a way to draw closer to the Lord, and it requires persistence to, to keep at it during this time. Let's end with this second parable here that, that Jesus gives to us here in, the, in today's passage to, to just illustrate things a little bit more, to illustrate some of this. Jesus is the one illustrating this. And in this parable, there are two men. There are two men, a, a Pharisee who was a holy religious man and a tax collector. Tax collectors were despised during that day. They didn't, nobody liked them because they worked for the Roman government and they, were, they had a reputation of being corrupt and nobody really, they had a bad reputation. Well, in this story, we have two men, a Pharisee and a tax collector. They go to the temple to pray. And we have here how they prayed and, and what they prayed, including some of their body language here given to us. The Pharisee stood up and he prayed about himself, basically. If you have the text in front of you, you can read with me, beginning in verse 11. It says, here the Pharisee stands up and he prays and he says, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. This is the NIV robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector standing here. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector, he stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Well, we could put this story just for a moment into our time, put this story into our time, and we could ask, well, which man was practicing Lent correctly? And which one was not. Which man, which man understands the true meaning of Lent? And which one doesn't? Well, let's look at the Pharisee first. If we look at the Pharisee, we notice that he's doing all three traditional historical practices of Lent. Did you, did you pick up on that? He's doing all three. He's praying. He's come to the temple to pray. He's praying, he's fasting, he's almsgiving. He's come to the temple to pray. He's being intentional about that. And then he says, what, in verse 12? I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all I get. He prays, he fasts, he gives. He's got the concepts down, and he, he's doing what you're supposed to do, pray, fast, and give. And look, he even says, thank you. Ooh, some extra points there. He says, thank you to God. In verse 11, so he, he might seem to be the, the model Lent guy here. But what's actually happening, right? God is not actually not happy with him because even though he might be doing the right actions, his heart is not in the right place here. His heart is puffed up. He's really just praising himself, not God. He's really just showing off to God, oh, the great things that he does by using these practices, these Lent practices, to, to make himself look good. And he's also comparing himself to other people. Even that tax collector who's right there, he's, he's saying how, how he's better than this guy. This Pharisee sees himself as better than other people, and he's just letting God know how self-sufficient he is. You notice how there's really 
no requests put to God. He's, he's not really asking or showing any kind of need for God here. He's just really just telling God how great he is, and he just wants God to know how great he's doing. Okay? And then there's the tax collector. What's the contrast here? This tax collector feels very sorry for what he has done. He's focusing not on the things that he does to make him look good. He's focusing on the things that he's done that has made him look bad in the eyes of God. And he's come to the temple, he's come to pray, to say sorry for these things. He feels so ashamed, he feels so bad about it that he even stands at a distance. He doesn't even want to approach the presence of God. He doesn't feel worthy to come any closer. He won't even look up, at he- look up into heaven. He feels so ashamed as he prays. He just beats his chest over and over again saying, darn, darn it, I screwed up. Ugh. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. He's acknowledging the wrong he's done. He's acknowledging who he really is in the eyes of God, a sinner. One way we could compare these two men is to say that the Pharisee is very consistent and the tax collector is very persistent. The Pharisee is consistent because what does he do? He fasts twice a week. He tithes regularly. regularly he prays frequently. He practice the, practices the law diligently so that he cannot be called an adulterer. He cannot be called a robber. You can't call him those things because he practices the law very well. Okay? He's, he's consistent. He's quite consistent, which is good. It's good to be consistent, but the problem is that his heart is not in the right place. He's not doing it with the right heart behind the action. And by contrast, the tax collector is persistent. And as we see with the widow, we can bring the widow now and her example into this. This man is showing the same kind of faith in God, the kind of faith that God is looking for. I I seriously doubt that this tax collector showed up to the temple for just 30 seconds, came up there and said just one time, Lord, forgive me, I'm a sinner, have mercy on me, and then turns around and goes home. I don't think so. No way. He was there probably for a good while, saying over and over again, I'm sorry, Lord, please forgive me, I'm, I'm a sinner. I mean, he meant it with all his heart. He's, he's, being, he's being persistent in this sense. And he's also, unlike the Pharisee, he has a request. He's coming to God with a request, not just telling God, who he is and how great he is, or even just how bad he is. No, he's actually coming with a request, saying, Lord, what? what's his request? Lord, have mercy on me. Please forgive me. Show your mercy, show your forgiveness to me. I am so sorry for what I have done. And just like the widow, she was pleading her case to the judge in the same way, right? That she could receive some justice for a wrong committed against her. She wanted to be justified in this sense because of a wrong, not a wrong that she committed, but a wrong that was committed against her. She wanted some justification. And the tax collector, he's also pleading his case. He also wants to be justified before God, but in his case, because of a wrong that he committed, But they're both 
pleading their case before the judge of heaven, saying that a wrong has been done here. A wrong has been done. It's been committed. And Lord, come to my aid. Come and help me. Have, have mercy. Have mercy. This man, this tax collector, just like the widow, wants to be justified before God, and he's being persistent about it. And God is seeing that. And he's demonstrating the faith, just like the widow, demonstrating that faith that says, God, I know you can restore me. The tax collector wants to come clean. He wants to confess. And he believes this with all his heart. And he so badly wants to be forgiven and restored. And then how does the parable conclude? How does it end? It ends by saying, Jesus saying, I tell you, this man, the tax collector, not the other guy, the Pharisee, the tax collector, he went home justified before God. And so, as we open up the season of Lent today, let's ask this. Which of these two men, the Pharisee or the tax collector, will have a better chance of understanding why Jesus went to the cross? Which one? Which one will understand why Jesus had to suffer and bleed and die such a horrific death? Why? Why did he have to do that? Which man is going to understand that? For which man will Christ's death have some real meaning? Well, the answer seems clear through Jesus' illustration here. And we can ask, which man are you? This season of Lent, which person Which one is you? So let's think about this as we, as we enter into the Lent season, as, as we start to journey together for the next 40 days or so to the cross. We're heading to the cross. And we're doing this to remember the death of Jesus and what he did by going there. And what does this mean? What does it mean? Now is the time. Now is the time. The season is here now to get our hearts ready. This is a time of preparation. Get our hearts ready. And we can do this by some, some practical things like praying more and fasting, doing some giving, these things to help us get into this, to go deeper into this, to, to be persistent. It's a time of preparation for the death of our Lord Jesus. Now is the time to deepen its meaning for you and to be ready for it.
As we continue to 